This is Bob Ambrogi, and welcome to episode number 40 of This Week in Legal Blogging. A nice round number there. We've been doing this for 40 episodes. Uh, presented by LexBlog. LexBlog is home to the world's largest community of legal bloggers and is the industry-leading provider of professional blogs and turnkey digital publishing solutions to lawyers and the world's largest law firms for more than 17 years. Once again, this is Bob Ambrogi. I am the editor of the blog Law Sites and host of my own podcast called Law Next. And you're listening to This Week in Legal Blogging. And today I'm very thrilled to have as a, a special guest for our 40th show, Alan Kaplinski, founder and form, former longtime practice leader of the uh, highly regarded Consumer Financial Services Group at the law firm Ballard Spar and uh, himself, uh, founder and editor of the firm's Consumer Finance Monitor blog and uh, also of the firm's podcast. Alan, welcome to the show. Thank you, Bob. Uh, it's a real pleasure uh, to join you today. Alan, Chambers USA once referred to you as a guru of consumer financial services uh, on both the regulatory and litigation sides. So before we start talking about the blog, maybe you can tell us a little bit about your practice. And I know that you recently kind of changed your status with the firm, so maybe you can bring us up to date on that as well. Sure, be happy to, Bob. So anyway, um, I have practiced as a consumer financial services lawyer for practically my entire career, uh, which is 51 years. Have difficulty uh, saying that very big number, but <laughs> yeah, that's I what it was. 26 of those years uh, have been spent at Ballard Spire. I joined them in uh, February 1995. Uh, along with three lawyers. We were at another firm in Philadelphia at the time. And uh, we started the Consumer Financial Services Group at Ballard Spar uh, over a very lengthy period. But particularly during the last 10 years, we have grown the group into a you know, one of the largest practice groups in our firm. Uh, we now have over 100 lawyers in uh, 15 offices that practice in the area. What's unique about the practice, Bob, is that it's an interdisciplinary practice group, uh, meaning that we have within one practice group, people who do regulatory advising, people who handle transactions, and people that handle all kinds of consumer finance litigation, both class action lawsuits and government enforcement uh, matters. And uh, we cover uh, the waterfront. If it, if it relates to consumer finance, we do it, whether it's credit cards, auto finance, student loans, mortgages, uh, whatever it is. Now, uh, in terms of my new role at Ballard Spar, uh, effective at the end of this year, I uh, relinquished my uh, role as leader of the Consumer Financial Services Group, became senior counsel to the firm, and uh, I do two things. Uh, I uh, continue to manage our uh, uh, electronic media, meaning uh, our blog, our, poc our weekly podcast show, and our webcasts. And even more uh, significantly, I think, is that I spend a lot of my time counseling 
other practice group leaders within the firm on how they can deploy uh, a, a uh, possibly use a blog and a podcast show and uh, a webcast uh, program uh, to their advantage. Uh, we were, the Consumer Financial Services Group was the very first practice group at Ballard Spar that launched a blog. That happened, it's almost 10 years ago. That's uh, where we are right now. How do I get a job like that? That sounds like a great position to be in right now. Uh, the Kind of the, the media maven of your law firm. Uh, so uh, let's talk about your blog. And from what I can see in, in reading the blog, it looks like it, it kind of took, an, uh, took on an identity change at some point I mean, that you had, yeah. you had originally founded it to focus on, you know, the, the launch at that point of the uh, Consumer uh, Financial, uh, <laughs> like yeah, the name, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, yeah, the CFPB, and, and that uh, originally that was the the main focus of the blog, and then at a later point, you expanded it to consumer finance issues more broadly. Is that is that right? right? Yeah. Uh, and, and the reason that came about, Bob, is uh, and it happened right after uh, Trump got elected. Uh, when Trump got elected, we recognized that one of the things he was going to do was to um, de-emphasize activities that would happen at the CFPB. A strong impetus for us in launching our blog uh, was the creation of the CFPB uh, in uh, 2010 with the enactment of Dodd-Frank. So all of a sudden, everything changed very rapidly. At least we weren't expecting that Trump was going to win. And uh, I remember having a meeting the, the day after the election saying, we've got to change it because there isn't going to be the same level of interest in the blog if we continue to focus just on the CFPB. So it was at that time that we broadened the scope of the blog to cover all uh, developments in the consumer financial services world, uh, things happening at the CFPB, the Federal Trade Commission, state attorneys general, or developments in court. And so we started covering a lot of litigation as well. And uh, there's no turning back. I mean, even though now uh, everything has come full circle uh, and uh, the CFPB is going to be like uh, the old days uh, under Richard Cordray, very, very active. We probably could have a blog devoted just to the CFPB. But now our readers expect that we're going to cover the waterfront. And we do. Yeah, well, it probably makes sense. So I don't know if I have this right, but it, it looks to me like your blog launched as CFPB Monitor. It launched on July 21st, 2011, which Wikipedia tells me was also the day that the CFPB actually started operating. That's even exactly though it was enacted right. a year earlier. So, yep. We were planning the blog uh, from July 21st, 2010 after Dodd-Frank was enacted. So we actually had a year uh, to figure out, you know, how we were going to do it. Yeah. And, and uh, your, your timing was perfect. Why did you, at that point, going going back to then, why did you want to start this blog to uh, track track that? I mean, what, what, what did you see as significant about it? And why did you, why did you choose the blog as a medium? Sure. Um, so we always 
As I said, for I've been in the consumer financial services industry for a long period of time, well before you know even my joining Ballard Spar and well, well before uh, creating the blog. I um, had always, uh, for many years, had been I think too conservative in my approach to managing our crap practice group. I was content with. Uh, allowing the practice group to essentially not grow. Uh, we'd add a person here or there, we'd lose somebody, but it was a really small group. We did high quality work and we always did uh, well financially. It was always considered a um, one of the practice groups at Ballard Spar that uh, others should emulate. So, I decided right around, uh, you know, the enactment of Dodd-Frank that, well, if I'm ever going to really grow this practice group, this is the time to really, you know, really do it. You know, we've got the client base. We've had that. And now we got this new agency concentrating in this what I considered up till then a rather arcane area of law. I mean, you go to a cocktail party and uh, somebody says, well, what kind of law do you practice? 15 years ago, I'd say consumer financial services. And they'd always say, well, what do you mean? What, you know, what's that all about? <laughs> uh, well, all of a sudden, you know, it was uh, in the news and everybody's knew about the new agency. So I guess you could say, in a sense, I threw caution to the wind and I decided we needed to grow our group to add more high quality people. And as a part of uh, an overall strategy of growth, I thought that adding a blog would really uh, complement very well uh, what we wanted to achieve. It would also help us in hiring people because we wanted to add people laterally and it was an attraction uh, for uh, a number of lawyers that were uh, interested in potentially joining our firm. A number of them were interested in our blog. Then there was one other thing, and I call this our secret weapon, but it's no longer a secret. I've, I've called it that for a long time. We were very fortunate that we had within our group a woman by the name of Barbara Mishkin, and if you go on our blog, you'll you'll see her name uh, mentioned uh, quite frequently. Well, Barbara was a very experienced consumer finance regulatory lawyer who joined us from an, a major competing firm in Philadelphia. And shortly after she joined our firm, she came to me and said, you know, I really don't enjoy doing client work. And uh, what I'd really like to do, Alan, is to be, um, I'd like to write. I'd like to monitor developments in the area and then write them up. Now, that was before we had our blog and we used to issue what were called e-alerts uh, at the time. But then once we uh, decided to launch the blog, Barbara said, why don't I just, you know, I will be the major source of content for your blog. Now, she worked part time, still does three days a week. But uh, that is her job 
and that's very unusual. Not as I've talked to colleagues of mine at other law firms, we are the envy uh, of that because they always say the big problem with blogs is uh, you got to keep them full of content and you got to keep them interesting and uh, and it's never ending. When you've got people uh, that are uh, busy lawyers who have billable hour quotas, uh, it's very hard to say to them the blog's more important than doing work for ABC client. So having Barbara was a big advantage. Also, uh, she will often do a first draft of a, of a blog in an area, and she will, you know, she knows the people within our firm who are experts in the area she's writing about. They'll review what she has written, maybe edit it a bit. I review everything before it goes out, and uh, we do it. When she gets extraordinarily busy, we call on other people within the firm uh, to to do drafts of blogs. And we do it in as fair a way as we can. We have a list and it's a rotating list. Uh, I would say in the course of a year, someone's probably not asked to write more than uh, maybe two blogs, uh, one or two a year. Yeah. So when you say in a fair way, you mean... Uh, as little burden or that there are people clamoring to write more? (laughs) Uh, You know, a a lot of people like to write for the blog and they want their name on uh, articles, but they are torn between, you know, being very busy and having competing demands, uh, you know, to get their work done and their billable hours, you know, to make sure they're able to maintain it. Um, We're cognizant of that, and uh, that's a large reason why uh, when uh, Barbara told us about this idea, uh, I literally jumped at it. Now, that's not to say that everybody at Ballard Spar jumped at the idea because uh, people like to have people bill hours, right? Right. That's the – Right. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, that's the, uh, the key thing. Uh, the chairman of the firm at the time didn't want to do it. Uh, well, he thought blogs were unseemly. Uh, you know, if you roll back the clock 11 years ago, uh, they weren't as prevalent. Uh, and so we were the first blog. We were the guinea pig. Uh, but eventually, uh, you know, we uh, convinced the chair that this was uh, the thing to do. And fortunately, uh, you know, we haven't screwed up. We're very careful in reviewing uh, everything before it goes out. One of the things, obviously, that we can't do, we can't write about things affecting a client. Uh, And that's a frustrating thing because we represent a lot of the, you know, the companies that are, are creating developments, that are creating the news. And we have to, uh, you know, either just, ignore a story altogether, or sometimes we'll seek consent from the client. Uh, if the client has won a case, they're much more likely to consent than uh, if uh, you right. know they've just been hit with a, a gigunda penalty by the CFPB. 
Right. Well, not only have you not screwed up uh, with the blog, uh, I, you know, the blog has really become a prominent resource on, on the CFPB and on consumer finance law more generally. I, I have a note here that, that Richard Cordray himself, the, the former director of the CFPB, was, was a reader of, of the blog. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if that's a, a fact or not, but... Uh, yeah, well, I can I can definitely I can definitely tell you uh, it, it, it's a fact. I mean, we had heard that uh, he and you know a lot of people the CFPB were reading our blog religiously. They would get our blog at the same time that they would get clippings from you know uh, the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal and the American Banker. I indeed asked him about it. One time when I was giving a a testimony before the CFPB in connection with uh, a rulemaking that, you know, which we were opposing. And uh, yeah, he told me he read our blog. And the reason that uh, they read our blog is we and and this is an important point that uh, I really want to underscore, Bob. We do more than just report the news. If our clients wanted just to find out about a development, they wouldn't necessarily need, need to read our blog. They, they could pick up their phone and uh, look at the news of the day and they could see the CFPB, you know, promulgated a regulation dealing with debt collection or something else. We try to analyze the development and we try to talk about the implications of the development. What does it mean, this development? Why is this important? You talk about just the development, very often clients and prospective clients can't connect the dots and they can't see how it could impact their business. And so we, uh, without going overboard and writing a a, a tome, because I think uh, the best blogs are those that are short, succinct to the point, uh, we, we, we do analyze. And so what I have been told by a lot of people at the CFPB, the reason uh, they like our blog is that we'll, we provide immediate feedback on what they're doing and we give them an industry perspective that, uh, that they, you know, welcome, that they want to find. I mean, if somebody doesn't like what they're doing, they want to know about it sooner rather than later. And we, we, we let them know uh, if we don't like something. We've also found that uh, it, it's a tool not only for lobbying regulators about something that we don't like or I, I, and our clients don't like, because, you know, uh, again, this is not uh, we're not writing an article for a newspaper. Uh, we have clients and we have to, you know, that we represent, we have to walk a fine line. Uh, our blog wouldn't work if all of a sudden, uh, we started attacking the industry and started becoming a cheerleader for, for the regulators. So, um, we analyze developments. We, um, talk about implications and, uh, and of course the expectation, Bob, is that it's going to lead to business coming in the door. Yeah. What about that? I mean, you said you started the blog, you know, partly with an eye toward this idea of trying to do some business development. So how has it uh, worked on that count? 
It it has uh, been successful beyond our wildest dreams. I mean, we never thought it would catch on as quickly as it did. Uh, And I think the key there was the fact we launched it when the CFPB was becoming operational. Uh, And uh, we have... We, yeah, we, we've got thousands and thousands of subscribers. Um, and we add to the su- subscriber list e- every day. It succeeded on every score. One, uh, it's brought in new business from existing clients. By connecting those dots, a client will call up one of the lawyers and say, hey, we got a problem here? And they very well might. It has brought in new clients that uh, didn't know about us before. It has um, raised our, I guess you could say, our brand nationally uh, because everybody you know, knows about our blog and uh, people talk about it all the time. Uh, it's helped us recruit. You know, I mentioned that earlier. Uh, there are particularly mm-hmm. more senior people who are coming from another law firm where they don't have a blog or podcast. Uh, they're looking for ways to develop business. And if you want a national practice, you can't count on going out to play golf, uh, you know, uh, with uh, uh, the local banker. Uh, that used to work when I first began practicing law. Right. Uh, and, and I was never a good golfer. So, you know, that, that didn't work for me. But uh, electronic media sort of levels the playing field and enables those lawyers that maybe you aren't good golfers, but know an area of law uh, can write about it and then talk about it during a podcast. Uh, it really gives you a heads up. Uh, uh, it really helps a great deal. So uh, given uh, the, the, this, that you've been blogging for a number of years now and podcasting and, and really focused on digital media at your firm now, uh, what have you learned about blogging? What kind of advice would you give to others who are launching a blog or have already got a blog? What, what makes it work? Yeah, and it, it, and it doesn't work for everybody. And as I've talked to other practice groups in our firm, I find out that um, some of them don't have, um, I, I, I guess, the practice area they're in isn't as amenable to blogging. Now, you know, we have what really helps is if you're in an area where there's a lot of developments going on, where there's a lot of churn, you know, regulatory developments in particular, but also, of course, in the courts, a lot of litigation. And I guess you can say, um, Although our clients have not been blessed by that, uh, as lawyers, uh, we've been blessed by that, that there's so much going on. We're never uh, at a loss for um, content for our blog. We don't have to grope around and and ask people, hey, what's going on? Uh, So there are other areas of the firm where, you know, let's say a transactional kind of practice where there isn't much going on from a regulatory standpoint, it's harder, not impossible, but harder. You just have to focus more on business 
developments, not quite as much on the legal, you know, on what's happening uh, in uh, the M&A area, what kinds of transactions are working now, you know, in this recovery state that the economy is in. So, you know, it, it depends on your area. Uh, fortunately, in our area, uh, we really don't have, you know, that's not to say that, you know, our competitors aren't doing things electronically. They are, and many of them do webinars and uh, not many do podcasts or they do them very infrequently. Um, so consistency is really important. And being able to provide a, a, uh, a value add, in other words, not just to report the news, but to be able to be erudite enough to uh, demonstrate why the development is really important. Uh, and people, people are looking for expertise. They're looking for expertise. And you can't fake that. That's something you, you can't fake. You either uh, have knowledge in the area or you don't. And our clients, by and large, are very sophisticated. And if somebody is faking it, they can detect that very quickly. Well, Alan, uh, we're just about out of time. And uh, before we wrap up, uh, any anything else that you want to say about, about your blog, about podcasting? Uh... I, I think, uh, uh, Bob, we've, we've covered... Uh, I think the, the, the main points, uh, that, that I wanted to, to make the, I guess the only other thing that, um, uh, is I think important. Uh, the blog was our first attempt at electronic media. Then we did the webinars. Okay. Uh, and it was just, you know, and they, and they're, uh, uh, live. Okay. Uh, last year we added a video component. So uh, we, 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 I call them webcasts. I don't know if that uh, uh, actually uh, distinguishes them from a webinar. Um, and, uh, and then, of course, the podcast we launched about two and a half years ago. But they all complement one another. So the ideal situation is, of course, if you can do it uh, and can staff it and you've got the resources uh, to have all of these things because they work together hand in glove. Uh, you can put on your blog that uh, you're, uh, you know, going to be doing a webinar uh, in, in a week and you can pro provide a link to the registration. Uh, and uh, we get a lot of people, you know, we get sometimes, uh, we had a, a, uh, a webinar that featured Richard Cordray, uh, uh, not long ago, uh, a couple months ago. And I think we had about 1400 people, uh, on that webinar. So, um, they all, we talk on the webinar and the podcast, we talk about our blog on the blog. We talk about the other media that we use. So they all fit together. And, um, I'm searching for new media. Uh, you can uh, believe that. Looking always for other ways to get a leg up on the, the competition. Um, and there are some things that, you know, I don't think we've seen the end of different kinds of uh, uh, digital platforms. Uh, there, there will be other things, I think, coming down the road. And we want to be on the cutting edge of that. 
Well, uh, you've uh, managed to do that uh, so far, and I'm sure you'll uh, continue to be on the cutting edge. Uh, thanks so much, Alan, for uh, joining us today. Really appreciated the conversation. No, thank you, Bob. Um, absolutely my pleasure. And the blog, again, is the Consumer Finance Monitor. You can find it at consumerfinancemonitor.com. Once again, this was episode 40 of This Week in Legal Blogging. If you haven't yet, be sure to peruse our full library of shows wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, go ahead and drop us a quick rating or review. We'd appreciate it. Last but not least, head over to lexblog.com slash TWILB. That's for This Week in Legal Blogging. For outlines of each and every show we've done so far, on behalf of myself and everybody at LexBlog, thanks for listening. Thank you.